All right, we're going to look at the uh, book of Luke today, the 19th chapter. And uh, anyway, I want to share with you a story that probably most of you have heard at some point in your life if you've been in children's church or perhaps even Bible school or at some point. Uh, you may be uh, familiar with this story. And so in honor of the person that I'm talking about today, I'm going to preach a short message. I want, us to <laughs> I want us to look at Luke, the 19th chapter, beginning with verse 1, and we'll go through uh, the 10th verse there. Amen. Amen. You ready? Yes, ready? Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he couldn't because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he, Jesus, was going to pass that way. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up, come on down, because i got to go stay at your house today. And so <laughs> he wasted no time, and he came, I'm just adding a little bit of Roy's version here, wasted no time, came down and received J Jesus joyfully. But when everybody saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Imagine that, the audacity. They were looking for reasons to get mad at Jesus, and that was another one right there. Then Zacchaeus stood. <laughs> Jesus said, Zacchaeus, stand up. And he said, I am. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone it, by false accusations, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Yes. Because, you see, Zacchaeus was also a son of Abraham. Yes. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Amen. Because that's why he says, I came, I came for this purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. You're a son of Abraham. You're lost, but today I've come to you. Amen? Isn't that good? Father, let your anointing rest on this word today, accomplishing your, in our hearts what you desire. We'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. This morning I want to speak to you about divine positioning. Oh, yeah. Divine positioning in 23. Divine positioning. I believe that this message, the Lord kind of dropped it in my spirit this past week uh, as I was praying about some things and wanted to go know which way I needed to speak this morning. I had a few things that I could have done. One of the things the Lord dropped in my heart uh, as I was walking around, I think this Wednesday it may have been, I had, had a couple of appointments. I had, uh, had an appointment to get my hair cut. Then I had an appointment to go to the, the doctor. I had to go to the doctor because they said that the prescription that I had had to be real, refilled. They couldn't do it unless I saw the doctor. Yeah. 
So anyway, I had to make an appointment, and, I, and as I was thinking about appointments, I began to, the Lord kind of dropped in my spirit. He says, you know, oftentimes we don't make appointments until it's necessary. Oh, yeah. That's good. Amen. Sometimes we do that. We need to realize God's got an appointment for all of us. He orchestrates our appointments. And right after that, I got a text from Maddie saying, you won't, I mean, within moments about the appointments. And she told me about the appointment that she had uh, that she didn't schedule, that God scheduled and happened. And I said, isn't that wonderful how it has mutual benefit? Every appointment that we have is appointment for someone else, but it's also appointment for us. Amen. Amen. Sometimes it's with the Lord. He says, I want you to sit here and be quiet with me or listen to me, or talk to me, or whatever. And sometimes he allows appointments to happen in our lives where he puts us in the path of someone else that needs something, or we need something. Isn't that God? Isn't that God? Amen? It's yeah, good. Amen. Right. Come on, give him praise this morning. Amen. Loosen up. Remember last week I told you what clapping does? It's like putting your hand together in agreement, grabbing hold of the hand of Almighty God. Amen? So when you begin to do that, hell hates it. Satan hates it. Amen. Hallelujah. We've come into agreement today. Amen. So this, this message that I, I wanted to give to you, I I've, was thinking about just where the church as a whole is, where we are as a, a global church, meaning bigger than us, but people all over the world that are gathering at this time or other times or whatever, but we represent the, the born-again believers that will all stand before the throne of God uh, and give praise to him in eternity. Uh, but the global church, I also felt it was important for us as, a, as an individual church, as a local church. But even so much more than that, it was something that I think that we all need in our lives, wherever we're at. And I think that this will speak to you in different areas, not only in a spiritual sense, but God is concerned about every part of our lives. Amen? Yes. He has blessed us with everything pertaining to life and godliness. He cares about all of our life. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about this, this guy, uh, Zacchaeus. And um, he's different in some regards to us, but in a lot of ways he's much like us. And so I, I, I shared with you, I want to talk to you about divine positioning. If you want to look at that tree there, uh, now it has a fence around it, but, but when I first went to Israel, it did not. But that was a tree. When you first come into Jer Jericho, that's what you look at. That's a sycamore tree, and they believe by studying the tree and, and so forth, the size and all the things about it, that it's probably 2,000 years old. That's what they say. There's a little... Uh, plaque over there that kind of talks about that that it's possible if it wasn't the tree it was at least among a tree that would been growing there possibly the one that Zacchaeus found himself uh, going to but positioning is important in our life in everything that we do positioning is very very important in every area of our life we think about uh, in sports uh, you know uh, from the time we start teaching children how to play t-ball we teach them about a position and how to get into position at the position we we teach kids how to be in position to catch a football or even in soccer we 
We teach them how to, to do what they're supposed to do. Or a goalie, how does he position himself? What does he do? In basketball, we teach positioning. And for the whole team, not only positioning yourself, but being in position so that the other players can have a benefit there. It's important in sports. We, we see that positioning is great and great has a great effect upon our finances. Now I'm talking where you want to hear, right? <laughs> no, it's true. Finances are a, uh, they're a, they're a means by which we accomplish the kingdom work. Amen? Uh, Solomon said that, that uh, money is an answer to all things. In other words, dealing with what we deal with in life. Of course, Jesus is the answer, but the things that we do are relative to the currency by which we do it. Uh, they aren't our source. He's our source. That's just a resource. Amen? Amen? But positioning is very important within our finances. For instance, if, uh, if you ever have known about uh, something that you'd like to get involved in, and uh, perhaps something went up uh, on sale, and you happen to be the only one around, or whatever, or maybe someone else was there. Maybe you're at an auction. And there's bidding going on for something that you want to get. And you know what your status is, and you'd love to have it, but somebody else is in a better position to get it. Uh, yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. I'd love to bid higher, but I'm not in a position to do that. Right. I'd love to give to more to that ministry, but I'm just not in a position to do that. I, I see a, there's something uh, that's going to be given away. I saw it on Facebook Marketplace. But I can't get there. I'm not in a position to get there. Somebody else. Positioning is so important. Uh, the man who was laying at the pool, been crippled all of his life, and the Bible tells us that that uh, he he desired to be whole. And there was a time of the year when the angel would come down and stir the pool of the water, and the first one in would get healed of whatever his condition was. And there he lay. And I always thought, I thought, what? Where was his position at? You know, he's not in a good position. What I, you know, of course, you don't know when it's going to happen, but I have no problem when sitting on the side of a pool. <laughs> Just sit on, on the side of a pool and fall. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Or, but he would, he would say, there's nobody here to, to get me in. I'm not in a position to get hold. Of course, Jesus met him where his position was. How many of you know it doesn't matter in that regard? When Jesus wants to get to you, he'll get to you. Amen. Where your heart's at. We see that uh, positioning is very important. Uh, it has it, its influence. How many of you know influence is power? Influence is power. Nothing more, okay? Or power is nothing more than influence. It's the ability. You may not have what you need, but you have contact. And your influence upon someone else is enough to get it done. We see that men of, of influence and women of influence had great uh, things taken place in their lives and for their, their families, for their kingdoms, uh, because of the influence they had. If you remember, Nehemiah uh, was under a rule, and the Jews were in bondage, but he had a, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. I want you to th think about this. And word came to Nehemiah saying that the, the sad condition of Jerusalem, the holy city, was in, it was in bad shape. The walls were torn down. The gates were broken down and burned. 
And somebody needed to do some restoration there. And word got to Nehemiah and it turned his heart so much it burned upon him. And he checked it out and he came back to the king and the king wanted to know what's going on. Now see, he was in a position because he had a relationship with the king. The king trusted him. A cupbearer meant that you tasted any drink that was given beforehand so that it was good enough, to, it was fit for the king. It wasn't poison. It was satisfactory. It was something that could be there. So he had earned the trust and the influence upon the king through his position that he had. And so as it was, the king says, you know what? I believe in you. I believe in you and you have enough influence upon me. I want you to go there and I want you to restore what's been broken down. Nehemiah had no money to do it. But he had influence upon the resource that could make it happen. Are you with me? We know about Esther. Esther was a little orphan girl in bondage. Uh, they were slaves. The Jewish people were enslaved. And there was, uh, in Persia, they were there. And so anyway, the king of Persia decides that he wants a different queen because his Vashti wasn't the queen he wanted anymore because she didn't submit to him. So he holds this beauty pageant. He says, I tell you what, somebody put this out there and said, King, why don't we do that? We'll hold a pageant. We'll get all the beautiful girls of Persia to come here. We'll find out who's the best, and they will be the one that will uh, set before you as the queen. And, of course, God's favor was upon Esther. She was a Jew, and of course, they didn't say anything about who she was, that she was a slave girl, an orphan girl being raised by her uncle. But she gained the favor of the, the, the guard, the servant, and uh, she walked by, and he said, hmm, how many of you know favor causes you to stand out? So he says, man, that one there, I think, is going to be the winner. He kinda, they kind of give her good things and all this stuff. For six months, she's got perfumes because they stank you know when you're sleeping no I don't know <laughs> soaking in their body and all the things and, and it gave her favoritism and so it was that that uh, she gained favor with the king which was important that's why Mordecai says that uh, 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 great thing he says if, if you don't step up now God will bring deliverance through somebody else but you won't see it and so that's why she said in Esther 4.14, or he said, who knows but what you've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. He may be the king, but your influence is going to be great. And it will save all of all because they had a plan to, uh, Haman had a plan to get rid of Mordecai and to get rid of all of the Jews. Just wipe them out. See, they've always been uh, hated by people. But because of that, they found out what was going on, and Haman got hung by his own gallows because of the influence. Or what about Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers because they were jealous of him? But he ends up in Egypt uh, and went through to Potiphar's house and was uh, promoted there. And Potiphar's wife liked him, wanted him, tried to make it look like he had raped her. Uh, because he wouldn't have anything to do with her. He didn't want to defile uh, God. He wanted to remain righteous and pure before God. Even though he's enslaved, even though he's a slave, he, he says, I want to do what's right in God's sight. And he ran. 
So Potiphar's wife, you know, she had, a, she had taken his coat and then she used it and says, hey, he tried to rape me. And of course, Joseph ends up in jail. But while he's in jail, he's still got the favor of God upon his life. And because of he's able to interpret a dream, he gets taken out of jail and he's elevated. And he's brought before Pharaoh. He has a solution to all the, the economic problem, problems that they're facing because of the famine. And Pharaoh puts him number two. He's the governor un, only under Pharaoh. And he's gained a position there. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So he was used and God gave his his favor upon him and his influence was great in redeeming or saving even through a famine all of his family and he told his family he said they were worried that Joseph was going to have them all killed because of how his brothers treated him he said no what you meant for evil God meant for good to preserve us as a people influence Zacchaeus was a Jew child of Abraham, but he was a tax collector. Everybody say tax collector. Now, we don't necessarily see tax collectors today because we do it by mail or, or online or however they do it now, but in those days, it wasn't quite like that. You came in contact with the person who's going to take your money. All right? So he was a tax collector, and on top of it, he's not only a tax collector, he's rich. So he lives in this community there, and everybody sees that Zacchaeus, man, he, he's out to get our money. He just wants money. And look at how he lives. Look how he lives. And, and they didn't like it because he had rich, riches. And the worst thing is he was a Jew. He's one of their brothers, one of them, a son of Abraham, but they considered him to be a traitor. They thought, you see, he wasn't collecting taxes for the Jews, for the temple. He was collecting taxes for Rome, who is their oppressor. Even worse. There you go, Zacchaeus. Look at him, man. Taking our money, giving it over to this people who hate us, who control us. And so he didn't have a real good reputation. The Bible not only says that he was a a tax collector, and he was rich, but he had a position of being the chief tax collector, the one who's over all the tax collectors. So not only do they not like all the, the tax collectors, the one who's in charge of all the tax collectors. He thinks he's all that high and mighty. He wasn't, he wasn't well-liked, and he certainly wasn't welcomed among his people. Now, I haven't seen the chosen free, three uh, series yet it came out we watched chosen one and two here at the church but chosen three came out this just a few weeks ago I guess uh, and it's available uh, but maybe online I, I don't know how it is the, the DVDs have not been released yet but anyway they said that Danny DeVito is playing Zacchaeus good casting I have to say this, and I hope he doesn't watch it this afternoon, but I got a friend down the street, Gary Cook, pastors at Freedom. And the other day, <laughs> he and Barry and I drove over to a tournament in St. Louis to watch uh, Mike's basketball team play. 
and we came walking in, and, and anyway, Gary got this hat. I forget what they're called. You know, they kind of go down in the front. You know, what are they called? You know what I'm talking about? Huh? Yeah, it's, no, it covers you, but it's like a beanie with a bill. What is it? Beret, that's good enough. Anyway, he, his, his, somebody in his family bought him that. I think his brother, his son, I mean, bought him that. And he came walking in there, and we walked in, and, and we grabbed a seat on the front row waiting until the other game was over. And after the game was over, uh, this guy came up there. He says, man, when you walk through that door, he's an older guy. He said, when you walk through that door, I thought it was Danny DeVito coming in the house. <laughs> I told him that was worse than being uh, the mad Hungarian because <laughs> I'd been recognized before. <clears throat> but he had a high rank being the chief. He was, up, he was up there. He was big in that sense. He was big in the area of tax collection. He was big and, and uh, in that regard. He did a lot for Rome and so he ranked high there. But among the Jews... They, he was little, <laughs> not only in stature, but little in what they thought of him. Are you with me? But he's a man of position, a man of influence, and a man of possessions, but he's short. That's the way it says there. And he's got a problem. He has two conditions. One is a physical thing, and one is a spiritual thing, but no money. No power can change it. No money or no power can change it. And I'm sure he probably put or heard every short people joke in his life, not being liked. I'm sure he was told, you know, being short is a growing population, around the, a growing problem all around the world, being short. I'd probably say they probably talked about him and said, you know, he gathers with his friends for some small talk. <laughs> you know, they have a little get-together. <laughs> I'm sure people said, don't make him mad or aggravated because he's got a short fuse. <laughs> you know, I wonder what they eat at those little gatherings. Short ribs? Strawberry shortcake? I bet his mama sang to him, Mama little baby love short and short. Mama little baby love short and bread. Come on, put on the skillet. Everybody sing, come on. He probably heard it all. All of his life. And I don't know if that's what drove him to do and be what he was. Maybe he grew, out, grew up among them and he says, I'll show them. And he did whatever it was to get higher in a position than what they could. He wanted everybody, even though they looked down on him, he felt like they were looking up to him. Are you with me? But it says here that something is interesting. He was a short man. He wanted to see Jesus. Something inside of this man. You see, he was a Jew, and it was inside of his heart, something deep within him, as a son of Abraham, when the Messiah is there, there's a connection there. I believe there was a, like a magnetism inside of him, despite what he had done, despite what everybody thought of him, despite of his past or his present or his current condition, despite of his physical condition or his spiritual condition, there was something that drew him to say, I heard about this Jesus. 
And this is in the final week of Jesus' ministry. He's probably heard about the, the lame walking and the mute talking, the deaf ears being opened, the blind eyes being opened. He probably heard about all the things that had taken place. He probably heard about Lazarus. He probably heard about it all. And so when Jesus came to town, he wanted to see him. He says, I, I, I'm going to go check this guy out. The Bible says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was too short. He was too short. And it's so interesting that Luke felt it necessary to tell about that. Of all the things, he just had to point that out. Why didn't he just say Zacchaeus was a great... He was a tax collector, he was wealthy, and all this stuff, and he had a heart to see Jesus. But Luke has to throw it in, there goes, and he puts in this big old but. It says, but, he's too short. And the interesting thing is, uh, you, know, you know, we see in the, the scriptures uh, that oftentimes that word but appears. And you've heard me say this before, that but kind of cancels everything out, you know. I'd, I would love to take you all out to lunch this afternoon at Texas Roadhouse. Oh, I want to go. <laughs> but I don't have the money. <laughs> you see there? But I'm not in the position to do that. See what I'm saying? It's like we want something, but our butt gets in the way. Come on now. You know what it's like to have your butt in the way. <laughs> go ahead and laugh. We all got one. Are you with me? The Bible says that Naaman was a, a great commander. He was a, a mighty man and a man of valor in the book of Kings, but he was a leper. Just wiped everything out. And every time I see that word but in the scriptures, I always want to know what it's linked to. There's always something that seems like God gave you all the good things, but he balances out because, hey, you ain't all that. Everybody's got a but. Are you with me? We're going to talk a little bit about that butt today. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what it is, but some of you might say, you might have in their hearts desire, you know, I saw this job advertised, and I'd love to have it, but I don't think I'm qualified. Are you with me? I'd love to go on a missions trip, but I don't know if I can handle the flight. But I don't really have the money. But I don't know of how I would do in another country. I'd love to go, but, you see, our butt gets in the way. Probably going, growing up, guys probably say, man, I'd love to ask her out, but <laughs> she won't probably go out with me. You know, there are people today that say, man, I, you know what? I'd really love to go to church, but there, there's too many hypocrites, right? Come on now. I wouldn't mind going and having fellowship and meeting other people and all like that, but, but all they want is my money, as though Amazon and Walmart don't care about your money. Right? I need to get my life in order, but I got all these problems. I really love to be healed, but you know it runs in my family. Come on now. 
It seems like it always catches us. And just about the time I'm about to make it, but something jumps in the way. It gets in the way. And churches can be the same way. Oh, we would like to do great things. We've been called to great things, but we're not equipped to do that. We're not in a position to do that right now. We get things in our way. We'd love to do great outreaches, but we don't have the finances to do it. We don't have the people to do it. We'd love to have special meetings, but we don't know if anybody will show up. (laughs) And a lot of things we see from three years ago that put a damper on things that some guys are still trying to recover from that. But, uh, man, we need to get together. But that COVID. Come on. But people don't want to do it. People don't want to go. And we always put a butt in the way. But we lack this ability. We'd like to do it. But, 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 but. I've talked to pastors before, and and some of them I just said, what what do you think is your thing in 23? What do you think? I had guys saying, you know, I just wish we could get back to some sort of normalcy. We'd like to, but... You know, it's not working. We don't, know what's, we, we don't know what to do. We're trying to get there. And, and some have even said, you know, I just so discouragement. Discouraging, it, you know, I, I just can't take it. And it's like, you know, so I'm praying for guys, not, not anybody around here, but praying for guys that God rises up inside of them and overcomes that butt that's in the way. Yes, amen. Are you with me? That's true. So you get the picture. Yeah. He's got a lot of money. He works for the enemy. He's hated among people. He's probably done uh, unrighteous things in his uh, approach. But in the midst of it, something's drawing him. And verse 4, there's a word that appears there. So we got one word that I'm talking about is the word but that gets in the way. There's another word in verse 4. It says so. So. So what? Are you with me? Sometimes we just got to get to the place where we say, so what? The devil puts it in your face. He says, you know what you are. Yeah, well, so what? Amen. You know your background, where you came from. You know what you've done wrong. Just look at him and say, so what? I'm a son of Abraham. I'm a child of God. The word so carries a lot of meaning. It says, it, 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 it means that it is for this reason, or in other words, therefore, All those things that seemed to be mounting up against him, the fact that he wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short, so he says, I'm going to do something about it. And I want to tell you something, in your life, whatever it is, according to what you want to do, you might have a big old butt that stands in the way, but you got to look at it and say, so I'm going to do this, so I'm not going to let that get in my way. Are you with me? And there's three things I want to give you that I think that'll help you. We're going to do these three real quick. Are you good with that? I'm going to make it short. Number one. Everybody say number one. one. Let's move on. Here we go. Number one, he has this unwillingness to allow his current circumstance or his condition or his situation or his butt to get in the way. He says, I'm not willing to let this butt get in my way. So, I'm going to do something about it. Some of you are here today. Maybe you've been stuck behind a butt. It's time that you say, so what? 
so what, I'm going to step out. Maybe you've been wanting to go into business, but you don't know if you have the capital. You don't know if you have the backing. You don't know if you have the contacts. You don't know if you have this. So what? If God's put it in your heart to do it, step out. Be unwilling to allow your circumstance or your condition or your situation to get in the way. And he did something about it. How many of you know that I put down there frustration leads to motivation? When you get to the place where you're tired of being in that position. I can imagine him as he's standing there and everybody's taller than him. And you've been there before, perhaps. I know I live most of my life like that. And you want to do it. You wish you could. Try and play basketball in school and everybody's over you and you're trying to shoot, but somebody's bigger. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of things like that. But he couldn't see. He couldn't get to where he wanted to be because all these bigger people were in the way. And I'm sure he got some type of frustration within his body. And it could have been a hindrance, but he used it as a motivation. You know what? I've got, he probably thought, you know what, I got to where I was and where I am right now because I wouldn't stop. Well, I can get to where I want to be because I'm not going to stop. I must see Jesus. And I want to see him for who he is. He wouldn't take anybody else's word. He wanted to experience that moment. I, 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 he, he was dissatisfied with the way things are. And what you become dissatisfied with oftentimes will drive you to where you want to go. How many of you might be dissatisfied about something today? What are you dissatisfied with? I think church has a dissatisfaction. I read story, you know, reports and magazines and stuff like that. The trends of the church are today. The trends of the church are. This is what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing. And it puts, it's like off of the pages, there's this big B-U-T that rises up there. And the attendance may be different. The commitment may not be there. The participation, the support, all these things just become a big old butt in the way of the gospel. And it's time that we as a church and the whole church, but even as a local church or as individuals, it's time that we say, I'm unwilling to allow that to happen. Come on, say that with me this morning. Unwilling. Amen. Number two, here we go. He takes an unusual approach in his pursuit. An unusual approach in his pursuit. You see, he's got this foresight that he's kind of familiar with Jericho because he's been around to collecting people's money. And he does something different. It motivates him to go out of his way and do something. Why stand here being blocked out when I can do something about it? I can. They tell me I can't, but I say I can. Come on, say I can. can. Say I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Amen. That's good stuff this morning. A foresight to see beyond where things are to go to where they are going to be. To see beyond the circumstances and conditions here. To see what happens when you get to where you're supposed to be. He didn't wait till Jesus got there. He went ahead. I remember it was about, uh, it was about, I forgot what year it was. Maybe 2018 or 19. And uh, the mill had opened up. It had been closed for a while. Does anybody remember when that reopened? Of course, prayers were going all over, and it was great to see the smoke coming out there, smell a little bit of it, see cars parked there, men walking across the crosswalk to get there. 
It had been a long time. And so I was watching the news one day, and they said that President Trump was coming to St. Louis. And in my mind, I believe, or in my heart, somehow, says that he's coming to Granite City. And he was flying in. And, and I knew he actually ended up going over to uh, uh, McDonald, I guess it was, is where he went over in St. Louis. McDonald, what is it? Not McDonald Douglas anymore. Boeing. He went to Boeing. You know how old I am. He went to Boeing. And in my mind, I said, Lord, I thought you said he was coming to Granite City. And then I began to rationalize or reason it out and say, well, he could have and nobody knew. He might have done something like that. We don't know because I felt that that was the word of the Lord. And I told, I remember telling guys, uh, we were having breakfast that morning that I heard it, that he was coming to St. Louis. I said, I believe he's coming to Granite City Steel. I believe he's coming there. I said, oh, you think so? Well, I know, I believe I heard God, and that's what he said. So I didn't hear any news reports that he had made his way over there, and I think that was in April. But I kept thinking it was going to happen. And I remember I'd gone down to uh, uh, Barry Shepard and I had driven down to Conway, Arkansas, because Karen Wheaton had released her book uh, about the road home, you know, the, calling the prodigals home. And anyway, I got, got an invitation to go down there and be in, you know, just in the service because I had a, had a word that God gave me for her in that situation about the baby that would be born. And so we had driven down there and we drove, made a quick trip, drove down, drove to service. Stayed overnight, got up early, and drove back home. And we got over on Route 3 coming that direction. And as we passed by the old depot, the Tri-City Regional Port District, I, I just, I, I, I had mentioned again, I said, you know what? I still think President Trump is going to come to Granite City. I still believe that. About that time, I got a phone call. And it was a local official here and, uh, that knew what was going on. And they said, you won't believe what's going to happen next week on Thursday I said try me and she said President Trump is coming to Granite City and I said well is anybody going to do anything about it and they said well you know how politics are I said well he's a president <laughs> I don't care what he is he's a president and there was a lot of, I don't care who's watching <laughs> a lot of people wanted to silence it a lot of people wanted to do that but I thought you know what we honor Give honor to whom honor is due, right? right? Yeah. So behind the scenes, and I started, when, before it was announced, I started getting things together. And I, I had seen how he was coming in. I knew it, how, how it was happening. He was going to land in St. Louis. He was going to drive to 270, get on Route 3, get on Needring House, and he was going to come down Needring House. He was going to pass by Judy's shop in, there, in the back there, and then he was cutting down whatever it was, 19th Street there to the mill. That's what I knew the route. And so, anyway, I had arranged to get some singers. I, I, I had them positioned on the corner when they got there. Because when he drove by in the limousine, when, he, when his uh, entourage came by, his, his uh, uh, what do you call it? Motorcade. motorcade came by. I'm just seeing if you're listening. His motorcade came by. I was going to have us starting, uh, starting to sing Patriot, God Bless America. So I had the singers from the Master Voice Choir there. We were in position. I set up a sound system where I say I was a part of it. We set up a sound system at Judy's shop for when he came over the overpass, it would be blaring hail to the chief. The music would be playing. Had it all in place, all in favor. One of the guys said, who's kind of in, in the know, he says he hasn't released his route. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, he hasn't released his route. There's three places he can come. He can go up to Scott. He can go down to uh, whatever is uh, St. Louis Airport. It's at Cahokia he could, or Parks, whatever it is. He could land there or he could land at Lambert. One, one of those places, I said, he's landing at Lambert. He says, how do you know? I said, I saw it. I saw, him, I saw the route. Well, he's not letting it out because security doesn't want it to be released. So anyway, I said, well, I'm, I'm getting everything in motion. We're going to be ready. And sure enough, he came over the overpass. By that time, I think a little bit people had started talking about where he was going to be. People were positioned at different places and so forth, but they all knew once it got out that he was going to head down there, they all got there, but we was already in place. And so he came over the overpass, and here's the song being played, loud and proud on the speakers. He drove down there, and when he gets to the corner there, here we are singing, and me with my phone, the ability to video it, turned it off instead of on, and the only thing I got is a lady, some lady's feet. My moment. Missed my moment. But anyway, I was, anyway, it was one of those things. I just knew it. I had the foresight. I knew his route. Zacchaeus knew the route. He says, I, I know he's going to go past that sycamore tree. <laughs> I just know it. I got it inside of me, and I'm, I got the foresight. I, I can't see him from where I'm at, but I'm going to get to where I can. So he made his way over there to be where he was. You've heard me tell the story before about Wayne Gretzky. They asked how come he was called the Gretzky the Great. He was a great so uh, hockey player. And, and, and anyway, he, he says, I just have a knack of everybody else goes where the puck is. I go where it's going to be. I just get to where it's going to be. He anticipates what's happening. He's in a position for it. Have you ever watched little kids play soccer? You know what I mean? It's like. You know what I mean? It's like a bunch of little legs going around, and you, you know what I mean? Everybody, everybody on. But, but he would stand out. He'd do something different. And so Zacchaeus, everybody's a crowd, and everybody's looking in position, jockeying, jockeying around there, trying to see Jesus. And he leaves the pack. He goes from where he's at, and he gets to the other place. It was an unusual approach because he had some foresight to see beyond where things are to where things are going to be. I believe it's a prophetic thing, and if, if, if the children of God, if we'll be obedient in this 23 season, I think we don't have to follow the crowd. I think God wants us to put, ahead, put us ahead of the pack. Amen. Wouldn't it be great if you were on the front end of something and you were the one that took advantage of it? You got it. God wants to do that for us. we got to listen to him. Amen? Amen. That's right. That is right. Number three, he was unrelenting to stay at his level. You see, the thing is, even when he got there, he's still going to be short, yeah. right? right? He's not going to be tall because he was here and he's short, but over there he's going to be tall. No, he's not going to be tall. He was unwilling to stay at that level, so he did something about it. And I believe there's a time when we have to get into our lives personally. I am unrelenting. I am determined. I'm not going to be satisfied with where I'm at. God has called me to something higher, and I'm not going to stop. I'll keep climbing. I'll keep flying, because this is the year we're going to be like the eagle. It's time to take up our wings and soar. It's time to rise up to the peak of things and get to that place that God calls us to. And sometimes you have to realize faith will take you out on a limb. Oh, that's right. Amen. Right? Yes. Faith will take you out on a limb. I think it was Jack Hayford who passed away not too long ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
who was considered to be a general in the kingdom of God and uh, passed away at the age of 83, 88, something like that. And he was a great man. But he said, you know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's the only way you can look at it. It's a risk. Sometimes you just got to take a risk and step out on God. Amen? Hallelujah. He decided that that he wasn't going to stay at that level. The Bible tells us that everyone has sinned and fallen from the glory of God. Sometimes we fall short on the glory of God as sin. Sin will hold you down. But you get rid of the sin, you can rise up. Refuse to stay at that level. I refuse to stay in a place of sin. I refuse to say I'm going to let this thing hold me in bondage. Whatever you don't control controls you. Are you with me? Whatever you don't master masters you. And you got to get to the place of being unrelenting and saying, I'm determined this thing is not going to control me. I may fall back a few times here and there, but it's not going to hold me in bondage. I'm going to get back up. I heard an old preacher one time say, they said, how, do you, how have you made it so far in the Christian life? He said, you're always up. He says, I'll tell you what, I've learned that I'm always up or getting up. One of the two. Sometimes you just got to say, I'm going to rise up. I've been knocked down, but I'm not going to let it keep me down. I'm rising up. Are you with me? Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that, that, that uh, faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you're a Christian and you want to please God, you can't do it without risk. You got to, it's going to require faith. Sometimes it's going out on a limb. Sometimes it's even worse. The worst thing is trying to get up to the limb. Oh, come on. You notice he did that when it, before anybody was there because that had to be funny. <laughs> Come on, think about that. Little legs, little arms. I got to get up here before anybody gets <laughs> He's working himself to death trying to get up there. And that could be a tough part. That's humbling. I mean, you know, you got to humble yourself. <laughs> but uh, without faith, it would be impossible to please him. And sometimes God calls us to step out in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you can't walk the walk of faith if you're not willing to take a step of faith. Faith causes us to humble ourselves. Sometimes it says going out on a limb. Sometimes it's trying to get to the limb. But imagine Zach, Zacchaeus trying to climb into it, but the reward was great. The interesting thing I, th- I think is whenever Jesus got there, when, the, when Jesus is there and the crowd's pressing in, all them people, that, all his haters, haters going to hate, 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 amen? Yeah. Oh, you know the song. You know, they hate, hate, hate. Oh, look at that. And what does Jesus do? Zacchaeus, man, dude, hey. Come here. Isn't it great that when he got there, Jesus knew who he was? He knew him by name. Jesus knows you by name. I'm grateful for that. You ought to put your hands together to praise the Lord this morning. He knew he, who he was. He knew where he was. And he knew what he was. He knew what he was whenever he called. He knew what you were when he called you. <laughs> I love it. He didn't care what your past is. He didn't care what you're currently involved in. He calls him. And he knew why he was there. You see, Zacchaeus didn't say, I, I want to get in a place where Jesus will see me. <laughs> He wanted to get in a place where he saw Jesus. 
You see, there's a lot of people today, they want, they want to be noticed. I do something to get noticed by the Lord. I want to be recognized. He, he was trying to hide out. But Jesus knew who he was. He just wanted to get a glimpse of him. I don't care if Jesus knows me, sees me, or knows what's up about. I just want to see him. And when we get to that place, Lord, I just want to see you. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. And the Bible says that when he came to his house, Jesus came to his house, Jesus, or Zacchaeus gave what he didn't have to do. He, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do it. But he repaid and restored fourfold. He says, here's what he didn't have to do. He says, I'm going to give half my goods to, to the poor. I, he didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't say, hey, man, why don't you give up half of what you got? You got this nice place. Look at this house. Man, come on. You don't need all that. That's, you're a little guy, big house. You don't need it. But he says, I'm going to sell what I, half of it and give it to the poor. And then he says, and if I've found any, if I've done anything, this is always funny. He said, if I have, like he didn't even know. He didn't even realize how, what a chiseler he was. He says, but you know what? I'll repay not just what it is. I'll, I'll repay it four times what I've given to them. Yes. How many of you know he was a big man then in the sight of the people? Yeah. <laughs> he was a big man when people that hated him, and he comes up and he says, hey, I know I took about 100 bucks for you, but from you, but look, I, I want to give you 400 back. Dude, man, you're the man. They're lifting him up. But, yeah. you know, yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Right. I, I want to ask you today as we close, what would you do, Jesus said, today, right now, this moment, salvation is coming to your house. To you and your family, salvation is coming to your house. I, I believe that Jesus would say the same thing to us. If you're unwilling to let the things get in your way, amen, and you'll go out of the way, not do the usual, but do something unusual to, to, get out, to reach out to God, and be unrelenting, determined to not stay at that level. I believe he would say to us, salvation's coming to your house today. You, yes. What would we do to see salvation for our house or for ourselves? Yeah. What would you give? What would you do for your friends? What would we do as a church to see a move of God? Come on. May have to take a risk. May have to go out on a limb. Yeah. But we got to be unrelenting and saying we want to move to another level what would we do to have jesus come here what would we do to have jesus be lord and lifted up high in our cities what would we do to have jesus be exalted in the children's school the way they're trying to remove god out but a movement that would start among the kids and spread that, that they couldn't stop what would we do what would we do in order to get jesus to, to, to reign supremely in our nation. He reigns supremely, but be given glory throughout our nation. Will we step out? What would we do? I think there's probably nothing that we wouldn't do Amen. for our kids, for our families, Amen. our friends, our city, our nation. We got to get to the place that, with an unwillingness to let the current issues stop you. Unwillingness to let your current conditions stop you unusual in your pursuit do something out of the order don't just do the same old same old repetition all the time every time you seek God do something be unrelenting to say I'm not going to stay here I'm determined to go higher I'm going to reach farther and I'm going to see clearer 
Let your frustration be motivation. Let your foresight see beyond where you're at. Let your faith go above and beyond. And let God bring salvation to your life. Amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a praise offering right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you today. I want you to stand to your feet if you would please with me. And we, w- we won't have a, an altar type of service. But I believe that the altar is there. You're welcome to come here. But this morning I believe maybe God's spoken to your heart and to your life. There's been a magnetism of drawing you to something new, something bigger, something greater than you could ever be. He wants to put you in a position to where he can do great things in your life, no matter how small it may seem. But if you feel like something's pulling at you, nudging you, I want you to come out. But I want to ask all of you today, are you satisfied with where you're at, or you got a little bit of dissatisfaction? You say, I want more. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. You want, you're dissatisfied. Say, I want more. I want more. Amen. You know, that was, a, <laughs> that was a whole move of God. Yes. When revival hit in the 90s, all they did was, <laughs> I need you more. More than yesterday. I need you more. More than words can say, I need you more. <laughs> more than the air I breathe. More than the song I sing. I just need you more. And every day, every night, Thousands would gather saying, Jesus, we've come for more. He wants to do the more in your life tonight. Amen. How many of you want to see God just be poured out? How many of you are just kind of dissatisfied with the level that you're at? Maybe you're at the status quo, right? You're just kind of reached that level, reached a plane, and you feel like you're blocked out. I want you to lift up your hand and say, I want you to pray for me today. Come on, let me see your hand. Maybe it's in your personal life. Maybe you're at a standstill, as we talked about last week. It's kind of held back. You feel like there's blockages and barriers, and God's saying today, I want to break those areas of your life because he wants you to succeed. How many of you are dissatisfied with, the, with your, not with your children, but with what's going on in their lives? Are you, anybody? Come on, is there anybody today? You want to see revival in their life. You want them to get on track and do what God has in mind for them, what he has in store, because it's something greater. 